You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the indications, materials, and benefits for the composite shell overlay technique for provisionalization. Our guest is Dr. Michael Fling, currently serving as Director of Advanced Restorative Dentistry at the OU College of Dentistry and as an Associate Faculty and Course Coordinator at the L.D. Pankey Institute. He has lectured internationally to dental and laboratory associations and is the founder and president of Fling Seminars, providing advanced dental education to dentists, dental teams, and technicians throughout the world. Dr. Fling, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you so much, Phil. Happy to be here. I appreciate it. So to begin, tell us about the shell overlay technique and its clinical indications. Sure, I'd be happy to. So one of the dilemmas that I would run into on, on some cases, say, example, you've got an edentulous uh, upper arch and you're crowning to 6 through 11, and I would make a stent, and I would go to make my provisionals, and I would seat my stent either too far or not far enough or too facial or too lingual, and it never failed that my provisionals might be in an incorrect position. So my background, actually, I was trained initially as a lab tech. And so I thought, you know what, why don't I use some of my training from the lab world and apply that clinically to what we're doing? So um, I get really worked up about making great diagnostic wax ups. So is what I do is after I have a wonderful diagnostic wax up, I make a Siltec stent of that wax up. And I will then add a very thin layer of composite, typically like uh, uh, Luxatemp or Luxaflow, actually. And I'll put that on the facial, the incisal, and the lingual part of that stent to where it's just really thin, and I'll cure that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tease that out of the stent. And as what that does, it gives me the ability now, after that's out of the stent, I can position that in the mouth where I want it. The trick is to trim the margin so that it seats passively to just the right position. And then after I've got those margins trimmed where it passively can go to place, I then fill that with uh, Luxatemp. And then once that's filled with the Luxatemp, I seed it, and I can again reposition it, let the margins and the, and the material harden, take it out, trim the margins, polish it, and now I have something that has great position, and, and I get it fabricated uh, just much quicker. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the inception of the idea, but I've I've taken it clinically to even even other places, and uh, if you'd like, I'll sh- I'd like to share some of those with you. Yeah, sure. So um, if you can just give us an example of some of those other places where you've carried this technique to, and then also give us the clinical objective, like what are you actually trying to achieve, and how does it save the dentist time, and how does it provide more predictability. Well, let me give you a perfect example. I'm actually at the dental school right now. My residents are in there, and I'm working with one resident where we have 22 through 27 that are very short and worn teeth. And the treatment of choice for this particular patient is they're doing composite bonding. The technique we would have used before is simply, you know, doing whatever preparation you're going to do, you know, using your etch and your, your prime and your bond, and then trying to create shapes of teeth. Mm-hmm. Well, instead, we'll use the same technique where we do a wax up. We'll make our Siltec stent. I do our thin layer of uh, Luxaflow inside of that, and I create a shell from composite. After that's done, the margins are trimmed where it passively sits to where you want. We fill it with uh, with more of the bisacryl material. It's seated. 
and then bonded into place. And so the point is you can build up entire incisal edges in a matter of minutes and they look just wonderful because you've developed that shape from your diagnostic wax up. Um, so, so whether it's a large case like that, say it's just a single front tooth that maybe they've lost the incisal third due to a, an accident on the playground, we'll build that shell up, fill it with a packable composite after we've made the composite shell and then we'll etch and bond and put that to place and then uh, just fill the margins with any of the uh, Lux flow afterwards to define the margins. You build great shapes without having to freehand all of this stuff. To what extent do you think dentists are using this technique? Well, I, you know, I haven't seen it much, just to be honest with you, which is why I'm excited to share it with other people. And as a matter of fact, we're about to publish this, so it, it'll be in written form too. But I just think it takes it, it lets the procedure go so much more quickly and the outcomes tend to look better because you you're not freehanding this stuff. Mm -hmm. Let me give you one other example that's really quite interesting. I have a patient that um, is about to go into ortho, but she's got a lot of decay and on her upper left first molar, the decay was was extensive and the tooth was badly broken down. So I typically would have remove the decay, place some type of core filling in place, and then covered it with a provisional crown. Well, there's another material called Luxacore that's coming out. Luxacore is used as an intermediate material, and it's a bisacryl material from DMG, but the, the beauty of it is it's made, actually in Europe, they use it as a final restorative material. Well, there's a thing called a a, a nay rapid waxer. It's a, a silicone form that has the shapes of all the posterior teeth. So I would get that nay rapid waxer. I would go in with my Luxaflow and create a thin shell of that tooth. Once again, I would trim the margin so that it would passively seat to where I want. I would then fill the inside of that with the uh, Luxa crown and I would etch and bond and then seat that to place. And so now my core filling that I've built up looks just like a tooth. Mm -hmm. And and the beauty of it is now I'm not having to prep that tooth and put a provisional crown on that's cemented in place that possibly comes off when you're, you know, moving that tooth orthodontically. So I'm getting core fillings that look spectacular. So that's almost um, like they look like the final restoration. But the, the, the goal is um, if the tooth needs a crown full coverage, you're going to that tooth is going to be prepared anyway for a crown, even though it looks sure. like a finished restoration. Yeah, absolutely. Let me share one other opportunity sure. with you. So I had a patient come in and financially she, you know, obviously has to watch the amount of money she spends because she's limited in what she can do. She had an upper left premolar that the facial cusp was intact. The lingual cusp was broken and the inner and the uh, mid portion of the tooth had old filling and was decayed. You know, typically that would have been a full coverage crown after endo and a post and core because there's not enough tooth structure left. Mm -hmm. But in this scenario is what I did for her is I was able to remove the decay. I placed a pin on the lingual. I used my nay rapid waxer to create my composite shell. I again etched and bonded, filled that with my, uh, with my bisacryl material, seated it to place, cured it, polished it up. And I basically cr created a complete composite onlay for her and and she's using that as her final uh, restoration until the day comes that she could potentially do more however in her case 
if you did root canal it and put a post in core in, it probably doesn't have as good a prognosis because the feral effect was so poor. Mm -hmm. So it gives us some great opportunities to do things that maybe we couldn't do before. Right. Did you say you did the endo on the tooth prior to that procedure or you did no. not? No, in her case, she did not have endo because I wasn't in the pulp after removing the decay. Right, right. That's really very cool stuff. I mean, these are indications that whether it's financial, patient could only go so far. It's still a fantastic solution for a restorative solution for them. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, so you were asking about materials. Yeah. So, you know, use the adhesive of your choice. Um, I tend to use uh, a fifth or fourth generation material in terms of my bonding. But I will make the shell in either a stent from my diagnostic wax up. So after I've got my diagnostic wax up, I will make my stent typically out of a Siltec, which is a, a PBS lab putty. Mm -hmm. um, or if, if it's indicated, I will use my Ney Rapid Waxer, which is the silicone mold that has all of the posterior teeth, and I'll make a thin shell of my composite in that. So mm -hmm. you have to start with either a stent or the Ney Rapid Waxer. The material that I use to layer that to create that thin shell is typically Luxaflow, which is just a bisacryl material. And um, and then with some of the newer materials that DMG has, like Luxa Crown, um, that's their intermediate material, and I will use that also. Mm -hmm. Once you have the shell, the shell can then be filled with a bisacryl material. So I could use Luxa Temp. I could use a packable composite because any of those could be bonded to place. Um, and then you go through your, your etch bond adhesive procedure and then put that in place. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned you like fourth generation. I tend to. Yeah. Uh, without question, I think still to date, um, the bond strengths of those tend to be best mm -hmm. and we're doing things direct. So that's, that's what I lean towards. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a lot of podcasts. I hear that a lot from, academics, you know, from the academic environment, professors uh, that are teaching in dental schools, they're still talking about the fourth generation. So uh, yeah. there's, there's got to be something to that. Um, you, you covered some of this, Dr. Fling, in your, your earlier responses, but let's go back to the primary benefits of this technique and talk about, you know, what we're saving as far as time, uh, workflow, uh, just the whole predictability of, of the way it's going to look. And it's all the above. Your your aesthetic result is going to be far superior. But the, the real benefit is the time savings. Um, you're going to find that you can build half of a tooth up and have it look amazing in literally a third of the time of what you might do if you're trying to freehand that thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the real benefit is the time. But the aesthetic result we get with these is just pretty remarkable. It really is. Yeah. And so, so is it does it look too good? So that the patient says, you know what, doctor, this, <laughs> I don't need to go any further. This is looking pretty good. I've got these teeth looking better than they've ever looked, and they don't come back for the final restoration? Well, I actually, I, I had a patient that uh, went through orthodontic intrusion because she had, she had dental alveolar extrusion, and we had the teeth intruded to get the pregenital margins correct. Well, now the incisal edges were too short, to the tune of about two millimeters. So just as she was getting out of ortho, she said, Dr. Fling, my teeth look silly. Can we lengthen them? I use that process. I made my composite shells. They were bonded in place onto the incisal edges. We polished them up. They looked like a million bucks. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, she said, well, why do I need to do veneers? And I said, well, you know, you don't. Let's see how it goes. And as it turns out, we've got less treatment to do on her, and, and it's also a financial savings. So, you know, the older I get, less is more. 
Yeah, and I've been hearing that too. That's that's another thing I've been hearing from professors and not only the uh, people, not only the dentists that are getting a little bit older, but but for the most part, those that are getting older are saying that they get more pleasure out of doing less, for, yeah. uh, because they're getting results that are really satisfying. The question is the longevity of these restorations compared to full coverage, but to you know prepare a, a tooth down to a tooth stub and you know, like you mentioned, maintain a feral effect and maintain the uh, attachment apparatus healthfully is is challenging with with full coverage sometimes. So yeah, and it and it's impossible sometimes. So right, yeah, it's just a great alternative. And like I said, it just it gives you a very predictable result with just a, a in in a much quicker point of time. Yeah, no, it sounds like a, a great way to practice. My last question is, and then we'll wrap up this podcast. And if you have any other points you want to throw in there, feel free to. What has to be completed prior to treatment to be successful with this technique? Well, first of all, you have to have a great diagnosis and you have to have a great diagnostic wax up. And I I just see so many times um, where dentists will try to do restorative cases and they don't have the end picture in mind. So you've got to have a great diagnostic wax up so that you can have the appropriate stent so you can make the shell. Um, if, if it's a single back tooth, then the nay rapid waxer to create the shell from that. There are um, also anterior um, rapid waxers where you can make shells even for anterior teeth if you wanted to. Um, so you, the point is you have to have some type of stent to create the shell from. That's the most critical thing. Right, right. No, that makes sense. So uh, the information has been great, Dr. Fling. Do you want to tell us briefly about Fling Seminars? Is that something uh, you can tell our listeners? Is that something they well, take I mean, lo- locally or they could take it online? Or wh- wh- what is that? Well, typically it's when I have study clubs or, or, or dental things going on throughout the country or throughout the world or wherever it might be where people ask me to come speak, Fling Seminars. While probably two-thirds of what I speak on is technical dentistry, I also do some motivational speaking. At the end of the day, uh, if people ever heard me speak, they heard me say many times, I think at the end of the day, we have to really stop and wonder what is our significance in this world. And I've always said, I think I'm an okay dentist. I think I'm a pretty good dad. I think I'm a pretty good educator. And I think that with God giving us a gift, we have our goals to go out and just try and make the world a little bit better. And so that's what I try to do with Fling Seminars make dentistry a little bit better so we can help our patients improve the quality of their lives and, and then help the people that we work with uh, make their life a little bit better too. So that's what we're all about. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. I, I wish every dentist in the world felt the same exact way. I, I hope most of them do. Um, but uh, it's really nice to hear that. And thank you very much, Dr. Fling, for being part of the show. It was a pleasure to have you and I hope we can have you on more podcasts because you certainly have, I'm sure, a lot more great techniques that you can share with our audience. Um, Thanks very much. Well, I'm honored to do it. Thank you for your time.